Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we are sojourners. We are traveling in this world. And Lord, we are thankful that just like the Israelites, you guide and lead us. And just like the Israelites, we sometimes fail to hear how you are guiding us and leading us. But Lord, that's what this covenant series is all about. It's reminding us about your faithfulness to us. So Lord, we pray that as we continue in this series, we let the words of my mouth And the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So last week we ended up talking about Abraham, Father Abraham. And we stayed in around uh, Genesis chapter 15. Well, this Sunday we are basically going to cover the rest of the Torah. From, from Exodus all the way to Deuteronomy to talk about what happened with the Israelites and uh, their, their journey as the children of God. Because remember, we started out talking about Noah and, and how that established a people, a, a people that God would, would save and, and protect and then moved on through the line of Shem, Abraham, and then we have Abraham's descend- descendants, Isaac, who was born of Abraham and Sarah and was taken to a mountain to be sacrificed to God. But at the last minute, God provided a ram instead of, uh, instead of Isaac to be sacrificed. And Isaac then extended the family line by giving birth to Esau and Jacob. And Jacob, being the trickster that he is, he, he kind of moved ahead of Esau and got the blessing from his father. And then his line became the line of Israel. And Jacob's name actually was changed to Israel. And, and through Jacob, we had these 12 sons that were born to him. And these 12 sons were become the 12 tribes of Israel. But there was one particular son by the name of Joseph, that, that, that kind of antagonized his brothers to the point where the brothers said, we're, we're just ready just to get rid of him. So they, they threw him into a pit, and when the next opportunity they had came around, they, they sold him off to be a slave. And he made his way from, from the Canaan all the way down to Egypt, where he became a, a mighty leader, a, a mighty ruler for Pharaoh. And he was in charge of, of all of the, the spoils in Egypt, all of the, the grain and the livestock and, and all of that. And he was making sure all of that was, was fine and that they had enough. Well, Jacob back home realized that things were not looking so good at Canaan. And he heard about all of the stuff going on in Egypt. And he decided that he was going to send his sons to Egypt to, to try to bring home 
some of the grain and, and some of the, the, the food so that their family could survive this long drought that has happened. Needless to know that he was sending his boys to go deal with the younger brother that they sold off into slavery. And if you're familiar with that story, you, you realize that, that Joseph then, after showing who he really was, invited the entire family to come down to Egypt where, where they would have all the provisions that they needed, where, where they were treated very, very well because of Joseph's status, knowing that Joseph was the one who helped save Egypt and, and provided them to become a very, very strong country. And then time passed, and then years, and years, and years. Jacob passes away. Joseph passes away. All the brothers pass away. Generation upon generation changes. The, the Israelites continue to grow, and they become a, a, a strong subsect in Egypt. But that has Pharaoh a little worried. Pharaoh's worried because he's thinking, man, these, these, these Israelites, they, they are growing, and they are growing, and they are growing. They're going to take over Egypt and I will no longer be in control or be in charge or have power over my own country. So Pharaoh decided that he was going to make the Israelites slaves. And they worked over and over and over, tirelessly, harder and harder and harder until the people cried out. And that brings us to kind of where we're starting this morning for Exodus 3, verse 7, it was 400 years that the Egyptians, that the Israelites were, were captured in Egypt. And then we have these words from Exodus 3, verse 7, where the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this begins us remembering the covenants that, that God has already set aside for the Israelites. Remember that, that, that first covenant with Abraham setting aside that people. And then with, 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 sorry, with Noah setting aside a group of people. And then with Abraham saying that people would become a great nation and giving them a place for them to inhabit. And God is saying, I made this covenant promise to you over 400 years ago. And now it is time to make it happen. So, again, if you're familiar with the story, you know what happened. It, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, you need to let my people go just to go worship. And Pharaoh said no. Then he sent the plagues. And finally, when Pharaoh released the people, they crossed the Red Sea and into the wilderness for a short journey to the promised land. And our scripture for this morning comes up at the very beginning of this promise, beginning of this covenant, from Exodus chapter 19, 
verses 1 through 25. I'm not going to read all of verses 1 through 25. I'll have selected verses for you to follow, and I'll have those printed on the screen for you to follow along as well. Hear the word of the Lord. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. And the Lord called to Moses from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds, a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations, and on the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, as I read through that story, and as I hear of the journey and the traveling of the Israelites' people, they're escaping from something that was horrific. They were, they, were, they were trying to move into a new land, a new land that was promised to them. I would wonder if a thought that crossed their mind was, is this all worth it? Is this really what we are called to do? And I think that question is a valid question, especially if you don't fully understand that the presence of God is with you. That question is a very valid question when you are wondering if yourself, why would God allow me to go through something like this? 
as I said before, there was a lot that goes with these covenants. And each of these covenants are building on one after another. And the purpose of these covenants is to show redemption. The purpose of these covenants is to, to restore what was broken. Because we remember at the beginning when God created heaven and earth and when he finished all of creation, he didn't say that it was just good. He said it was very good. He gave his people a place, a, a garden to, to dwell in and to live. He, he gave them all of their provisions. And we hear that God even walked with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the shade. But when that, that sin came in and, and it broke that relationship, there was a need for restoration. And, and this part is a part of that restoration that is happening. First, God is calling a people. Then he's saying there's a place. And now, now with the work of Moses, God's presence will now dwell with God's people. We see that presence evident after the Israelites finally leave Egypt and they're making their way towards the Red Sea. The story of the pillar of, of fire and, and the pillar of cloud that, that is leading them and blocking them from the Egyptians as they cross the Red Sea. That, that presence allowing the Israelites to know that, that wherever they go, God will be with them because they are God's chosen people. God, that same presence is here for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, we have that assurance knowing that God's presence is with us. However, even though we know that that presence is with us, we can still be rebellious people. Just like the, the, the Israelites were rebellious people. When we take a look at the rest of the Torah, we can see the story of them trying to move to the promised land. And, and they are so close that they're probably just maybe not even a mile away from the promised land. And they send the spies in to, to check out this land that God is going to give them. And they came back and said, no, too many big people there. It, it doesn't look safe. We, we don't want to do that. We, we need to do something else. And we know what happened when they did something else. It ended up with them wandering for 40 years. But even in the midst of that 40 years, God's presence never left the Israelites. That's why they built the tabernacle. That way God's presence can dwell in the midst of God's people. That's why the cloud followed them and, and led them. The fire led them and let them know that through all that they do, God will never leave them. When we move into the book of Numbers, we have a, a stretch of stories from Numbers chapter 10 through Numbers 21 that, that wrap up into seven different rebellions that the, that the Israelites did in order to try to thwart what Moses was trying to do or what God was trying to do through Moses. 
But people complained about hardships. In the midst of the people complaining about the hardships, God gave them food to eat, gave them clean water to drink. Even Moses' brother and sister, Miriam and Aaron, who were with him every step of the way, they started to speak against Moses, saying, we, we should get some of this credit. We, we've been here all the time. You know, Miriam, if it weren't for Miriam, if it weren't for me, I would, Moses would be, still be floating down a river somewhere. If it weren't for Aaron, uh, Pharaoh wouldn't have been spoken to. So we're just as important. Then it continues with more rebellions. All the entire community raised their voice against Moses and Aaron because they didn't really like what they were saying and what they needed to do. It even got to a point where 250 plus leaders rose up against Moses saying, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He can't lead. We're the ones who need to be leading. And again, the people quarreled with Moses. And then finally, the last rebellion, the people not only spoke against Moses, but they spoke against God, the God whose presence was always with them. The God who who dwelt in the middle of their campsite. The God that led them and was leading them to the promised land. I wanted to take just a moment just to camp out a little bit at that that last story in Numbers 21 because it helps us see the relationship between God and God's people, the Israelites. They are complaining against God and complaining against Moses, and and uh, God sends all of these snakes. And the snake starts biting Israelites. And the Israelites realize that they spoke against God and, and they asked for help and asked for healing. And then in Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 through 9, we see these words. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look up at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The story has a special place in my life. When I was a, in middle school, I think a, a, actually a, a seventh grader, I was able to be a part of the youth group for the first time and was jealous because my brother, who was three years older than me, was able to do all this youth group stuff before me. And, and, and one of the things that they would do, they would drive into Wichita, which is about a 45-minute drive from Hutchinson, to go to all of these Christian concerts. So I know my brother, I think he went to go see Michael W. Smith there. He went and saw Petra, and he would come home with all these great, fantastic stories about these great rock and roll shows he was able to see in Wichita. Whenever I became, when I became in seventh grade, we, we had an opportunity to go to a concert, my, my first Christian concert. Now I've seen Marty Robbins and Willie Nelson and other people at the Kansas State Fair, but, but I was excited to go to my first Christian concert, especially for this particular band. And the band's name was DeGarmo and Key. And if you're familiar with DeGarmo and Key, they, they were one of the first Jesus music 
artists that were out there. You know, they, they were there when, when contemporary Christian music really got its start. And, and, uh, and to have a chance to, uh, to see them in concert it was just a huge dream of mine. But when I was there at that concert, God, God spoke to me. And at the end of that concert, I, I went forward and I gave my life to Jesus Christ that night. Not that I hadn't been a Christian because I grew up in the church, but I knew from that moment on that I was called to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And part of it had to do with the story that I just shared with you. Sometimes we have a tendency to, to look at the God of the Old Testament as this, this mean, horrible judge that is just looking for the opportunity to, to take care or, or, or to smite someone. But Dana Key, as he was speaking to us that evening, he was like going, no, that's not the God that we worship. That's not the God that we serve. We don't, we don't serve a, 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 a smiteful God that, that wants to put people down or keep people where they are trapped in some kind, of, uh, some kind of torture. God wants us to be free. And one of the ways that God shows how he wants us to be free is when the Israelites spoke against him. Spoke against him while he was in their presence. The, the snakes came and, and, and they, they bit, the, bit the Israelites and God could have said, you know what, only just a handful are going to die. It, it, it's no big deal. Y'all will survive. It'll, it'll be okay. But no, he provided a way for the people to, to look at this bronze snake that was placed up on a pole that was, that was lifted up so that they could be healed. And they could see that God still was taking care of them. When I heard that story, I realized that I, too, could be a rebellious follower of Jesus Christ. I, too, could turn my back on God and say that I can do things on my own. But as when we stop... And we turn and we see Jesus lifted high up on that cross. We know that we have life and we have life abundantly. You know, another problem that people have with Scripture is that they, they, they think that it's all about you know, the, the things the Israelites did and that's what we should be really paying attention to. But it's not a story about how awesome the Israelites are. It's a story about how flawed the Israelites are, just like we are flawed. And it's all about the strange and wonderful ways that God is going to fulfill his covenant promise to Abraham to restore a blessing to all of the nations, whether or not the nations believe in God's promise or not. It is a reminder that in the midst of deep and dark times, God will continue to fulfill his word. And we see that as we move from Israel to the kingdoms to the cross. My friends, it can seem like we have been walking in the wilderness. 
it, it can be seen that we are going through hard and difficult times. But we remember that God's promise is with us every step of the way. How do I know that? Part of it is what we have right here. When we come to this table, we remember Christ's presence with us. That through the breaking of the bread and through the pouring of the cup, the sacrifice that Christ made for us shows us that God has never left us and will never leave us. That he will guide us, he will comfort us, he will share with us his blessings so that we can then turn be the blessing that God called Abraham that we would be. My hope and my prayer is as we move through this sacrament of communion, we see the blessings that God has poured out on us and we move from the wilderness of the life around us into a blessed life of our Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. Let us pray. Oh God, as we participate in this communion, help us to think about the covenant that you have made with us, the covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, his body broken, his blood spilled out for our sins. Lord, right now, some of us may be walking through the wilderness. We may be crying out, God, how long must we move down this path? Lord, I pray that this holy meal whispers in our ears. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when we partake of the cup and we, we eat the bread and we drink the cup, help us to remember the covenant love that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.